This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We've all been disappointed. We've been disappointed in life. We've experienced disappointment. And I want to tell you, some of those disappointments, some of those disappointments, even though we've pressed on and we've gone forward, even when they come up in our lives, they're still hard to deal with sometimes. They just don't go away. But you know, if we properly press forward, there's a different type of praise. There's a different type of joy. Because they didn't destroy you. They didn't overcome you. You know, and you could, have, you could sit there and think about just like I mentioned earlier, the accomplishments you've had in life, your age, whatever it may be as it pertains to the accomplishments. I'm like, you know, I never able, was able to do this or I never got to do this. And, and I would say, just like for myself, I could say, you know, I never got to the opportunity, to, well, I'm 52, never had the opportunity to be married. And that could be a disappointment for somebody. You know, it can be a disappointment for me. Or I never had the opportunity to do this or never actually positioned myself to do certain things. And I could sit there and I can say, well, you're not a God to me. And God says, but no. What I'm doing, see, see, we expect God to deal with our disappointments a certain way. We do. It's like, God, this is my disappointment, do this. And he's like, you have no idea if I do this, what's going to happen to you afterwards. But I do. And we don't understand the hurts that we have to go through sometimes, the concerns, the cares. Sometimes I don't. As a believer, I say, why? You know, why, why does this have to happen? Or why do I have to go through this? Not considering that we have talked about pastor, of, you know, and this morning I'm just lifting up the hands of our pastor. But my pastor has talked about, she's talked about, you know, uh, about disappointments when we had nothing to do with it. But you, I'm going to also include the disappointments when you had everything to do with it. Because a lot of our disappointments, you had a lot to do with it. You had a lot to do with your disappointments. But God is not pushing you to the side because you had something to do with it. Because if it was that's the case, he should have pushed you aside a long time ago. Because your, your life is a sum total of every decision you've made in life. That's who you are. But God is not hating you for that. Because like I said earlier, he already knew you were going to make those decisions. Those are, not, those are not new to God. They're new to you. It's like they're, they're surprised to you and God says, I'm not surprised at all. But I've made provision. And that's the God who, who I am. I'm the God who provides for you. All you had to do is put yourself in my hands. So I want you to go to the book of Philippians. We're going to start there. And I know I'll start talking. So I'm going to... And you know, forgive me because my notes are up there this morning. But I give you limited notes because I can't give you everything that I write down because sometimes it seems like I write a few things down about three or four times. And it's because I want to retain. You know, so I start typing and I'll write, I write in, in, in paragraphs about what I'm thinking at that time and I can't just give you everything that I'm thinking at the time. So I kind of sum told, sum it, so give you the, what is needed and, and tell you that this is just me. I have a hard time staying with my notes. So if you see he's not there, I'm exactly where I need to be for you. You know, I may not be there, but I'll be exactly where I need to be for you at that time. So I am going to do my best to try to stay with my notes. But if I go somewhere else, believe me, you won't 
If you're paying too much attention, you're going, you're going to miss what the Spirit of God is going to, wants to tell, tell you. When I'm talking about notes, when you're trying to take notes, you'll miss with the Spirit of God. But I will attempt my best to stay with the notes that I have this morning. So Philippians chapter 3, when you're there, because I'm not, say amen. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read together. We're going to do a lot of reading today. We are a Bible study, a Bible teaching church, correct? So Bible teaching church, they read a lot of Bible. So... You just, you know, most of you have your gadgets anyway. All you got to do is push a little thing and it's going there anyway. You know, I'll wait for the ones that have a Bible like me. It's all right. So Philippians chapter 3, let's start at verse 1. And I I will read this one because I want to read like 14 verses. And I did bring my glasses this morning. I am still in, in denial. But I will put them on every once in a while if I'm having issues. I make provision for myself up here, believe me. I really do. So, Philippians chapter 3, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. I like that. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision where worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might, Paul saying, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other thinketh that he hath whereof that he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness of God, which is righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I already attained. I love that. Not like I've already attained it, Paul said. Paul says, not as though I already attained. Either we're already perfect because I got some, I got some flaws. I have some issues that I have to go to God to. But I know I follow after if that I may apprehend for, for that which I have, I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. This, but this one thing, this is in italics. That means it was added by the privilege of the translator. We're going to leave it out. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. This one thing I do. He says, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 13 again. Brethren, I not myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if any and if anything be otherwise minded, if anyone, God shall reveal even this to you. So we began this teaching on, you know, how to press forward through our disappointments. 
And we're going to continue that. And you know, we as believers, I made a statement, you'll see it up there. It says, we as believers have already been equipped with and by the Spirit of God to overcome and press through any disappointment that we will encounter in life. We've already been equipped. Like I told you, God already knew. And that's the confidence that you have to have. They are uh, pressed through any disappointment that we have encountered in life. The key is staying under authority. And the key to staying under authority is our passion for Christ Jesus and His purpose. That is the key to staying under authority. So once again, we as believers have already been equipped with and by the Spirit of God to overcome and press through any disappointment that we will encounter in life. The key is staying under authority. And the key to staying under authority is our passion for Christ Jesus and His purpose. A passion, I love it, is a strong, extravagant fondness, enthusiasm or desire. It's a strong, enthusiastic, uh, extravagant, I'm sorry. Extravagant is just excessively high. See, God is the one who sets your passion. Remember what we talked about, and, and for those that, that don't come on Wednesday, which you should come on Wednesday just to hear, we've been talking about authority. And one thing about authority, God, when, when, we, when we talked about two words, and we're going to look at those two words this morning. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We talked about, when God, the Bible, we talked about two words. We talked about one word. When God, the Word of God uses power, a lot of times it uses two different Greek words. Exousia, which means the right to rule. I have the right to rule. I am in charge, is what exousia means. And dunamis, which you will see, the ability or the might to get it done. The might to rule. He goes, I can, I, I, and God says, I am ultimate authority. I have the right to rule. And I have the power to provide to get it done. All That's why Psalm 62 says, All power belongs to God. All of it. Because he, he determines that. So, next statement. Disappointments are common to us all. And there is nothing belittling about anyone's disappointment. Nothing belittling about your disappointment. It's not, God is not belittling you. And that's what I, sometimes people think, Well, my disappointment is great. And my disappointment is still a disappointment to you. You know, and, and, and some people, was, and I, I realize because the loss of a loved one, that's a great disappointment. And I'm going to tell you, I heard one brother tell me, one, or, or even, even unfaithfulness of a spouse. That's a great disappointment for people. And, and those things happen even in the body of Christ. You know, I heard one guy, one preacher said, you know, hey, even if I walked in there and found my wife with somebody else because he was preaching about the love of God and he was talking about how I am going to be able to do this and be able to do because of life. I said, brother, you've never been there. I said, it's easy to say what you're going to do when you've never been there. You must be very careful what you say you're going to do when you've never been in somebody's shoes and you've never experienced that. That's why when I say it's not belittling, you shouldn't belittle anyone's disappointment. Oh, that is nothing. You don't know what happened in that nothing to them. So that's why I'm saying it's not belittling. Disappointments are common to us all. And there is nothing belittling about anyone's disappointment. They are real. They can cripple us and keep us in a stagnant state if we, the believer, allow them to that authority over our life. And we allow it they can do that. They can put us in a stagnant state. They can put us to a point, even at, and I'm going to give you a, a shocker. Even if you continue to come every Sunday and every Wednesday, you can be in a stagnant state. You can be in a state where I'm really not going forward, but I'm here. 
And you're going to see people that were in the presence of God that were not going forward, but they were there. They were hearing the Word. They were in the same position. And, but you're going to find people that chose to worship in the midst. And, and that's the difference. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to give you a note that's not in your notes. It's a note from my pastor. And, 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 and something she expressed, she said, we must stay under authority in the areas of disappointment. In order to go forward through disappointments, we must stay under authority. This is what she told me. It's important to stay under submission, which is directly connected to authority, in order to be consistent through every disappointment. See, submission is directly connected to authority. I made mention of this in our teaching. It's impossible to speak about authority without speaking about obedience and submission, or pride and arrogancy, or pride and disobedience, or pride and rebellion. It's impossible. And I made this statement. So, when we come into a place, and I'll make it again, like if I came in here, or anybody came here, and somebody, and I made mention of this on Wednesday, and we called an assembly, we called a meeting, but nobody told you what it was about. And all of a sudden, one of us, other guys, other than our pastor, or one of the ladies got up here and says, uh, I've been given the responsibility to be in charge today. So, you don't expect them, because they're in charge, sit down and not do nothing and drink, sip their tea or something. No, you expect an order, a command directions, instructions. You expect somebody to set boundaries and let us know what is going to happen. That is what authority does. When somebody tells you, I am in charge, wait for instructions because they are going to give you instructions. When they say they are in charge, they're going to give you just details or give you boundaries about certain things so that you'll understand that I'm not only telling you what to do, I'm taking care of you. See, that's what authority does. It doesn't just tell you what to do, it is caring for you. It is protecting you. It is taking you to places. It's where you're avoiding situations. And I'll give you an example later. So once again, note from my pastor, we must stay under authority in the areas of disappointments. In order to go forward or press forward through disappointments, it is important to stay under submission, which is directly connected to authority in order to be consistent through every disappointment. Staying, that is placing yourself and keeping yourself under authority, is key. That is key. You must do that. You must place yourself and you must keep yourself under authority. Authority will get up and tell you, I am in charge, but they're not the one driving that vehicle. Giving you the orders. And you'll understand that later. They're not. They're just giving you the instructions. It's up to you to say, I choose to place myself and stay placed under authority. And, the, and my pastor says, that is key. That is key. And that, and that particular key unlocks every blessing from God. That specific key right there will unlock every blessing from God. So, I love that fact. The reason why is because you may miss it in every, uh, certain areas in your life, because, you, but you, because you, you chose to submit and stay submitted to authority. There's counsel. There's instructions. See, that's why I told you, authority... Uh, correction is being under authority. Understanding correction, receiving instructions. It's, and it's like, you know what, this hurts. The Bible says, no correction for the moment seemeth pleasing. It's not pleasing. It says, but it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness for those that continue therein. Stay put. Stay there. Listen to what they're telling you because God has something for you. So, that is one of our notes to our pastor and we will continue. When we speak of being under authority... We're not necessarily referring to being under or following some man. 
or some woman. We're not necessarily referring, even though they are vehicles by which God uses delegated authority. They are vehicles by which God demonstrates His authority. He speaks through these people. But we're not necessarily referring to following some man or woman in leadership. Even though mankind plays their part. No, we're referring to a heart attitude that is passionately submitted to God and His purpose. When we're saying submitted to authority, we're referring to a heart attitude that is passionately... See, you've got to understand something. You may not be an emotional person. You may not be emotional at all. You may be very, you know, it's like, this is who I am. You know, it's like the movie, like, like the movie we went to see uh, this week and he says, man, I don't like the look on your face. He says, that's the only one I got. You understand? That's the only one I have. That's who I am. You understand? And God is like, yeah, that's who you are, but you better be passionate for me. See, God don't care about you, how you are as a person. Because what he does in you is the same for anyone. And there should be a passion for Jesus regardless of what type of person you are. You may express it differently. I'll be honest with you. When I was a, there's a lot of things I wanted to do because that's just my emotions and my character and how I wanted to. I was excited by what God was telling His people. I was excited about how God was ministering to His people. But you may take it totally different. But me, I get a little, I get a little out there. You know, so I guess maybe it's my upbringing and how I was in the past, you know, people, the, the group that I came out of. But I enjoy worshiping God. I enjoy it. But that's me. But there still should be a passion in your heart. Like, for example, when somebody brings up Jesus, does that stir you up inside? And I'm not talking about in a negative connotation. I'm talking about when they bring up your Savior. When they bring up your master. When they bring up the things of God. It's like, yeah, I've been there, done that, heard that. And I, already, I already heard that. I know that. No, that's, a, that's having a, not having a passion for Jesus. You must, I don't care who you are. That's why I was going to send this to the, to the next gen. And one of the questions was, question is, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I was going to say, you know, I inherited eternal life on February 21st, 1987. And this is what God did in my life. I said, can you tell me what God did in your life? And can you tell me when you accepted Christ? And I'm not, some people, it's nothing wrong with not knowing the day. But you should definitely remember the experience. Because if you don't remember the experience, it's very likely you weren't touched by God. And that's something for you to consider. Not, I'm not telling you, because God, when you accept Jesus, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about feelings, but you should have experienced a transformation of going from life to death. From death to life, I'm sorry. From death to life. And I'm talking about from an unawareness state to an awareness state. You should have experienced light. Because when He comes into you, there's an understanding, there's a light. It's like, my God. And you may have not been as emotional as, or crying as I was, but you should have experienced something that lets you know, I am a child of God. I am born again. The Spirit of God in you, that's what He does. He doesn't come. He comes in like a flood. He comes in and He makes some changes. He rearranges stuff. And you're like, my God. Like, for example, when I came, I, I, I had a 50 mouths. I will curse you out at a young age. At a young age. 15, 16, 17 years, I would curse you out. And I don't care who you were. I don't care if you were a note. I was very disrespectful. And, and, and granted, I came from a, a family, a mom that never drank, never smoked, never cursed in front of me. A Christian woman. But I hung around the wrong people. And I did the wrong stuff. But when I accepted Jesus, 
It was an immediate change. And I didn't, and all I know, all I know, I was at work and something came out of my mouth. Oh my Father, Jesus, help me. Cause that was an immediate, but before, who cares? Even the people were at work, they were like, it's like, what happened to you? You know, what's going on with you? And I had to tell him, this is what, and he's like, oh man, this is my best friend. He's like, oh man, you're going there. It's like, yep, I went there. You know, and, 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 and the thing about it, because I could not help myself. I couldn't. I couldn't. And I wasn't the boldest person, but I couldn't help myself as it pertains to who was inside my heart. Because he made a difference. He was a game changer. He just made... I'm telling you, if you only knew what kind of insecure person I was as a kid, you would understand there has to be a God. There is a God. That's why I'm, you young people, that's why we push you the way we push you. Because we want you to develop your own passion for Jesus. Not a passion to be under a man and do exactly verbatim. You do exactly what you're told. And I'm not telling you, and you should. But the thing is, there should be a passion for Jesus Christ. And if there's not, there's two things that are going on. You've never been touched by God, or you're walking away from things that you should not be. You, you should, you're walking towards things that you should not be walking towards. And they're taking that from you. Because that's what the enemy will do. Okay, so we're... we're Going back to the authority, who sets the standard is the question. Is it, God, is it man or is it God? Then who should we be following? What does authority command in the local church? Authority determines where our passions must be. Okay, so I want you to go to the book of Hebrews. And those are the questions that we're going to ask. And we're going to read. And I'm trying to take my time. Authority, who sets the standard? Is it man or is it God? Then who should we be following? And the next question, what does authority command in the local church? Hebrews chapter 1. And then I want you to find Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read together these passages of Scripture. So let me get there so I can just turn from one to the other. Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1. Okay, and you're in Hebrews chapter 1? Let's read together verse 1. We ready? Read. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Continue. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Continue. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Matthew chapter 28. Let's start at verse 16. You're there? Say amen. Let's give you a little bit of time. Matthew chapter 28. Starting at verse 16. Here's some pages. I'm going to take my time. Verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples... Let's read together. Verse 16. Ready? Read. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Lastly, Acts chapter 1. You guys are doing good. Starting at verse 1. When you're there, say Amen. Ready? Read. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, into the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So I'm going to make this statement and I'll go. If Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, is the authority who now speaks in the church, it is interesting to note that in the passages of Scripture found in Matthew and in Acts, the very first command, remember what I told you when authority comes on the scene, it says, I am in charge. You're waiting for instructions, directions, and commands. Boundaries, something told to you so you can follow. So it's interesting to note that the passages of Scripture found in Matthew and in Acts, the very first command given by the ultimate authority has to do with the commission, the purpose, and empowerment of the church. The very first commands. You may say that was the commission and direction for the apostles, but remember, and I need you to write this down, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, it states that we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the very chief cornerstone. We do not have a different calling or purpose outside of the apostles' foundation set by the apostles and prophets. That is the authority that we're under. So, when authority came on the scene, immediately, because Jesus, Hebrews says it this way, it says, he says, God who at sundry times again and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things. That doesn't change anything when Jesus comes up here and says all power, all authority has been given unto me and in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. For that reason I need you to go and make disciples of all men baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And then you've got to understand all these happened, because remember, Acts tells us this. These just happened in the process of 40 days. These were all the commands given to the apostles. So God first tells us, 
I'm going to tell you about my exousia. I'm going to tell you about my authority, my right to rule you. I have the right to. And then I'm going to tell you about the power that's going to get it done. And you need them both. You need not just the power. You just don't need my authority over your life. You need the power that I have available for you to get it done. Because you can't. You can't do it. It's just, what, you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit? This morning it's praise and worship. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. See, God is like, I am this. I am your ultimate authority. But this is the power by which you will get it done. And it's all Him. You know, when we talked about it in, in, in first, uh, I think it was 2 Samuel chapter 7, when we were introduced to the house, and I'm getting, telling you for those on Wednesday, just for a bit for Wednesday, he was telling them, you know, this is the way I build. This is, this is the authority in my house, and I'm going to tell you who has all authority in my house and who, all, who it's all about. Jesus left nothing for you as it pertains. You know what He left for you? Life, strength, joy, peace. He left out, but He didn't ask for your ability to get it done. He didn't ask for that. He's like, all you got to do is believe. Believe, and that's why this is so important in worship. Submission. Submission and obedience. That's the only strength you have to put forth. And dying to yourself. That's the only thing. That's all because he says, I do all the rest. I do all the rest. I show you who I am. You just have to believe, submit, and obey me. That's all you... All that, that's, we have the easy part. Even though that can be hard for somebody that wants to rule things. And we are people that like to be in charge. We like... You know, that's why... God doesn't have a problem, a, 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 power, a power issue. He doesn't have... An issue with power. That's why Satan could not stand in heaven. Because he had an issue with power. God knew he was. Satan didn't know who he was. He didn't understand who he was. He forgot who he was. And he said, I am going to be like the Most High God. And God is like, I love what Jesus said. I have beheld Satan fall from, from, from heaven like lightning. And like that boy said something in his heart. And he went down to earth. He fell down. Because he's not going to stand before God. And, and the thing about us, we take that same attitude, but God deals with us differently. Because we're not an angel. We are the, what, the apex of His creation. The one who can live out His character, His kindness, His mercy. We can live it out. That's why the Bible says that the angels look upon us and say, you know, what a thing. What are you doing? That's why the Bible says in Ephesians that we are going to show the principalities, the angels and things, the, 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 those things to come. We're going to show them the goodness, the, the, the greatness of our God by us just being under authority. Because some of for they don't understand. But see, we have something they don't have. Grace, grace. We have the grace of God to say, you know what, well, I can get up from this place. Think about it. Have you ever come against authority? Each and every one of us have. In some way, form or fashion. But we have the strength to say, God, but I have your grace. I have your grace to continue going forward. So Ephesians, I want you to go, how does God build this house? I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2 and we're going to read a few passages of Scripture. I know it may be going slow, but believe me, it'll, get, it'll start picking up in a little bit where I may leave my notes. Ephesians chapter 2. But we'll get back to them. Ephesians chapter 2. The house God built. Remember in 2 Samuel, and you can write it and go back to read it because there would be a lot to read. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 through 16, 
we got introduced once again to the house of God. Not that David, and it's so interesting, I like this, because you know David built a house, right? He built a house through Solomon. He built a physical, a physical house. But God wasn't talking about that house to David, nor to Nathan. He was talking about a spiritual habitation for his people. A habitation that his people were going to be a part of. And, 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 and Ephesians talks about this. But he was introducing them. This is what I'm going to do. And I like it. He said, at the end of your days, David, at the very end of your days, when you're set with your fathers, I am going to establish your seed after you. He said, and his rule and his reign shall be an everlasting kingdom. An everlasting kingdom. One that never ends. He said, I'm going to establish it upon him. He, he says, he, not Solomon. He said, he shall build my house. He said, he shall build my house. That's why God was like, shall you, David, build me a house? He goes, when I have not dwelt in a house, he said, I have walked. I love that. I have walked in a tent. I'm amazed by that because God was carried around in a tent. And he says, I walked in a tent. You know, you are his tent that he walks in. That's just a type. You are the tent. He's like, I am not going to be in a physical location, David. I'm going to be in a person. I'm going to be in a, a being that's going to carry me. He said, and my glory is not going to be stuck in one place where you have to have this place. Oh, God, you have to turn to this place. You have to go to this place. You have to be around this place. It has to be carried in your battles in order for you to have victory. He said, I am going to put that in my people. He said, I'm going to dwell among them. I'm going to walk in them. I'm going to be a God to them. That is your God. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to me. He's like, I don't need you. He goes, you, David, you're getting ahead of yourself. Because I am building this. You're not building this. But I love that the Bible says that God was pleased that it was even in his heart. He said, see, that's the beautiful, that's the passion that I'm talking about. It was in your heart. I need it in your heart. I need this passion. You may not be able to do it, but I need you to be passionate about me. I need you to love me. I need you to worship me. I need you to fall down at my feet and tell me about all your struggles and your cares and your hurts and how many times and what you think about people when they hurt you. I need you to share all that with me because I am your healer. See, we sit there and we try to retain everything. That's walking in your own authority. God is like, I don't need you to retain nothing. I need you to bring it to me because I already know what you're saying, thinking. I already know how you feel. I need you to come to me broken because that's who you are. I fix you. See, those, those things, people, that's our God. That's the declaration of our God. He's like, this is who I am, Church of the Living Water. He said, I need you to fall. He said, you got the word. You got the message. You got the word. All I need you to is fall at my feet and surrender. I don't, you, you got to stop trying to be your own person. Because believe me, your own person is it's flawed, it fails, it's not what God wants. God is like, you don't need to be, and I'm not talking about in this world that you don't go out and do what you need to do to, do to live in this world. You're living in this world. I am talking about when you try to come into the kingdom and think that you're somebody before God and you are not nobody before God, but who He says you are. That's authority. Authority says, yeah, I know who you think you are. But I'm going to show you exactly who you are. And I love that. That's authority. That's the place that we've come to. We've come to authority that says, I'm not looking for your ideas. I'm not looking for your plans. And I, and I respect it because I hear you and I understand that. But I love the fact that I can say, God, I just want to be in your hands. 
I just, I, and we're going to get to this in, 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 in uh, First Chronicles chapter 21 when King David fell, and he says, and he gave the prophet came to him and goes, God wants God's three things for you because you've missed it and you failed, you sinned against Him. He said, you're going to either have, you know, we're famine in your land for three years, for for three months this, or for three days this. And what did David say? He goes, I just want to be in the hands of the Lord because in His hands there is mercy. That's see, that's where I want to be. Because I know where I am. I know who I am without Him. Lord, I just want to be in Your hands. And whatever correction You need to bring forth, bring it forth. Because I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to be the same person. See, if you're a person that's satisfied with who you are, you have to ask yourself again, has the Spirit of God touched my heart? Because you cannot be satisfied with who you are. You cannot. God does, God, the work of God inside of you if you're satisfied, if you come to the, to the fullness of what God has for you, it's time for you to be up here telling people about the things of God. And see, you're still not finished. You're still not complete. Because even we, when we get up here, we've had our flaws, we've had our failures, we've had our sin. But we, when we get up here, it's all by the grace and mercy of the living God. That we minister, what we, we keep on going forward. We shake ourselves off, we stay under authority, and we go forward. And God is like, that's the person that I... See, why did he choose David? He chose the, the least of the chosen. He goes, no, I've rejected all of them. Because I don't need that. All I need is the heart. The heart that wants to love me and serve me. See, and this is for everybody at Church of the Living Water. See, worship is coming to the... Authority wants to bring you to a place of worship. Because in that place of worship... You're going to find what you need. You're going to find. You're going to see. We talk about being under authority. How it actually brings understanding to our lives. That's a place of worship, and that's what God wants to bring you to. So I told you to go to Ephesians chapter two, and I am getting away from my notes. But let's go to Ephesians chapter two. Let's start at verse eleven through twenty-one, and we're going to read three. And this is probably going to be the longest scriptures we read. So we're good, right? We are good. We know how to read. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 21. And I'm like my, one of my brothers up here. So it's kind of hard to start in the middle because you want to read everything else before that. But it's a lot to read. But we're going to start at verse 11. Now let's start at verse 8. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus into good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments ordained, uh, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that are nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. 
Verse 19, I know all the rest of the stuff is, needs to be taught, but we're going, we're going somewhere. It says, Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Remember, God was building this house and He was making you His spiritual habitation. It says, Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom you are also built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Verse 3, Chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read verse 6 verses. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to you, to you, me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was, made, was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So this is all by the gospel. It's the gospel message. And remember what I told you. Remember what I told you. The very first thing that authority comes to do when he came in the scene, he says, I'm in charge. And this is what I'm commanding you. So, when you violate authority, you're not violating the man. You're violating the process that God has brought forth to make you a disciple. To bring you discipleship. Not only that, you're not only hindering, when you hinder the process of discipleship, and how do we hinder that? And I'm, and, and I'm going to a place. We hinder that by how we go to service. We hinder that when, when, we, when, when, when we're not prepared to serve. We hinder that when we refuse to submit and become the person that God wants us to do. Because not only are you hindered, you're hindering other people. You've hindered the process in your life, and now you're hindering the process in somebody else's life. And that somebody else may be your child. Because they're not going to understand the gospel the way they should. And they're going to encounter stuff. See, I just hate it. Hate the fact that some children have to suffer certain consequences because they were placed in situations that they should have never been in. They should have never. And now, I can't answer the whys of what happened and why, why certain things happened. But, but my question, is because there's some bad things that happen in this world. And we just don't have the answer to. But I think that we can make our best effort and give it our best, uh, do, our, do our part to make sure we position our children in a place or in a position in life that they have heard the word. That they understand the word. You know what I believe is the most important thing for a child? How important the word is to you. How important it is. How important giving is to you. How important worship is to you. That's why I can appreciate certain families that go home and worship together. I can appreciate them when they tell me how they get up and how one person starts singing a song and the other ones will follow. Do you understand? And a lot of times people, and what I mean by that, is that you leave this place, but worship is not a part of who you are. A part of who we are. We live certain places. We live a certain place way here, and when we go home, we live a certain other lifestyle in front of our children. And God says that is corrupting your seed. That is not establishing your seed. And the world will always put something for you. And I'm not getting away from you know from what God wants to say to you, but He'll always put something there for you to distract you. What is the biggest distraction? 
When Jesus even said the parable of the, of the sower and the seed, all of those were different places of your life. But you know the thing that He wanted to steal from you was the Word. God doesn't care about everything else that's failing in your life. Now, I'm going to talk about this. Satan doesn't care. Sorry. About everything that's failing in your life. He just wants the Word. Because He knows the Word is what's going to make the difference for you. So when we and our attitudes refuse to get to a place of worship because we consider it not so important, not the thing that we want. Because remember, we're talking about how to press through our disappointments. If God's Word is not final authority in your life, you will never press through them. See, there is a difference, people, and I want, to, I want you to see this different. The difference is, in worshipers, is, in disappointments, we all have them. But we all deal with them differently. A worshiper will have to go... And see, the thing about it is, I want to go back a little bit. Disappointments are inevitable. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you prepare. It's like our pastor was saying, you could be in the best health. You can take care of yourself. You can work out. You can do all these things to make sure and all of a sudden, something happens to your body. A sickness attacks your body. You know, something happens to a child. You can put them in church of the living water. You can think I did this, think I did that, do this, do that. And all of a sudden, your child starts rebelling towards you. And like, this is disappointing. So you can do a lot of certain things, but you cannot avoid disappointments. Because you've got to understand what God wants in that time. He said, are you going to still trust me? Will you still trust me through this disappointment? Because you can't avoid disappointments. So God is not going to take away disappointments. He's going to take you through your disappointment. See, that's why you won't forget disappointments. Because He's not taking them away. He's going to show you how to get through them. But there's a difference between when a worshiper goes through and when someone that doesn't worship goes through. Someone that doesn't worship or is not a worship, they'll get through it because storms will pass. But there is something that that they've lost along the way. And that's something a lot of times could be your passion for Jesus. It's like, you know what? I just was never able to recover. This hit me and continued to hit me. And I was, but you're a believer. But a worshiper, you'll see them after they've gone through something that they continue to go forward. And I'm not talking about, you can, you can tell that they're going forward because you'll see the advancement of God in them and through them. The advancement of God is when God is working in you and you still work. You see it working. And the advancing of God through you is when you see them in a place of leadership. or ministry. The scripture tells us, he says, it's, it's, it's at that, it's that time that you should be teachers. But you're having, again, to be taught. The, the things, these, these, these principal things. That means you've been disappointed in some area of your life. And God is not through with you, but you have refused to worship. And God is like, I need to bring you to a place of worship, of brokenness, so that you can understand. So, we talked about passion sets by, our passion is set by authority. And I want you to go to Philippians, back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. Do you understand, Paul, 
And that's why I read, our pastor reads portion of that about pressing towards the mark and this thing, one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I press towards the mark of the prize of the high call. But you've got to understand something. How could he do that? The scriptures before talks about his passion. He had a passion for Jesus that put him in a place of worship that says nothing is going to stop me. I'm going to press this one thing I do. I can forget those things. See, my brothers and sisters, stop trying to fix your disappointment. Stop trying to fix our disappointments. We've been disappointed already. You understand? We can't fix those disappointments. We have to go through those disappointments and say, God, what do I have to learn through this? And what do I have to come out of this with? Because... I am going through this disappointment. It's not going to stop, whether it's with my child, whether it's with my husband, whether it's an expectation that was not met, whatever it may be, I have to come to this place of worship. And I am running out of time, but I want you to give you an example of what authority does while driving a vehicle. Let's just pick that for an example. This is authority. God's authority, right here with this illustration that I'm going to give you, it represents God Himself. And is it on there? It represents God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our destination. So, you are in a vehicle. You are in this vehicle and God Himself, God's authority represents God Himself, the Lord Jesus. The vehicle, to start, let's talk about the vehicle. It represents the means by which we get from point A to point B and to our final destination. It's the vehicle. It could be the vehicle. And our vehicle is really how we're, how we're getting from place to place. And that's why I'm saying you can't disregard... Uh, uh, delegated authority because it's by that vehicle at times that you get from point A to point B and to our final destination. God uses vehicles. He uses a vehicle by which He's going to minister to you become a vehicle for someone else to get to that place. God uses vehicles in our lives to get there. The driver represents us. The rational or irrational free moral agent. Because we could be rational sometimes and understand some things and we can be very irrational. It represents us. We are the driver. That's why God is not the driver. God is the ultimate authority watching over this. He's the one that set it up. He's the one that put the boundaries. He's the one that set everything up. Now we got the navigation system. Now we come back to that authority again. He is the navigation system. And see, navigation system, that represents the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And I love it. It's a download of understanding. It's a download that comes into your heart and that's the navigation. And, some, and I was just looking. Some good navigation systems, they are very detailed. They are very detailed. You know when you take trips, they can tell you about you know, uh, events that are happening in that long that way. It can tell you about foods to eat and not to eat. It can tell you about places and different things or uh, basically... Famous things, things along your attractions and things. It tells you about when you come to obstacles, not obstacles, but places where you see nowadays, you've got turn here, turn here, bridge there, bridge over there. You've got all sorts of things. And it keeps you on the path and on the lane that you're supposed to be on. Regardless of the distraction. It tells you about attractions, distractions. Think about the Word of God does the same thing for us. It tells you about the things that attracts us. And it tells you what to avoid. It tells you what lane to stay in and when to get out of it. It tells, God's, God's word tells you, it tells you to slow down. And it tells you when there's certain traffic up ahead. It tells you the best route. God's a navigation system. And that navigation system is His authority.
still under the authority. It, so what did Jesus say? I came to do nothing but what my Father told me to do. That Word is Him. By the Spirit of God that's downloaded in you, He is the Word. The fuel represents our passion. The fuel represents our passion. The passion that we have, that, that which drives us. It's, that, it's not the driver, but it's that which drives our vehicle. It drives us to the place that we mean to be. It represents that which it, It's whatever the free moral agent chooses to put in themselves in abundance. That is your fuel, people. That is your fuel. You are driven by that which you put in you in abundance. Do you understand? God wants to do something to you and He's going to use vehicles to get you where, but you are still that driver, you're still that free moral agent that's going to choose what I'm going to do. Think about this. I looked in bad fuel. What bad fuel does in us? Things that, And see, this is where you get places when you want to get out of authority. You know, bad fuel, it makes your vehicle slip. Gears. So you, it's just flipping. It's just not doing. It's not performing the way it needs to perform. It also makes it. It also makes it stall and sputter. Stall is coming to a complete stop at times. Sputtering it starts to backfire. It starts to release things it should not release. It starts, and I, I love that because it, sputter means, and I want you to write it down. Particles, sparks, etc., etc., forcibly. It's. I'm sorry. To emit particles, to emit, E-M-I-T, to send forth discharge, that's what it means. To emit particles, sparks, etc., forcibly and explosively, especially accompanied by sputtering sounds. To emit means, and there's another definition, to emit anything forcibly means, sputter means, to emit anything forcibly in small particles as if by spitting. Do you notice when people put gas, bad gas in them? they start to speak things that they shouldn't speak. And what I mean, they start, when you put the wrong thing in you when you're dealing with authority, you think you have a say. And you start saying something that you should not say. And that was Korah's issue in, 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 in the book of, uh, and I keep on this, Numbers chapter 16. That was Korah's issue. And I'm just going to give you a touch of Korah. But Korah, he was disappointed. He was disappointed because he was Moses' cousin, but he was being overlooked constantly. To lead. Because God knew who he was. He was disappointed. And he couldn't carry on. So he came against that. Because he thought Moses was taking something that didn't belong to him. But he was Moses was just doing what he was told to do. Korah refused to be under authority. And he started speaking things that he should not speak. But Korah's family. This is what I'm trying to tell you. Is that he had no passion. Because we're going to look into this also on Wednesday. Korah had no passion for what God already had told him to do. You know that Korah was responsible for touching certain items in the tabernacle. Furnishings that represented Jesus Christ himself. And he was not satisfied. That's why when Moses came to him, he said, Do you, he goes, you take too much upon yourself. He said, God has brought you close to him. He's brought you near to him. To touch those things in the tabernacle, and you don't want that. You don't satisfy. You're not joyful with what God put in your path, and you want something that doesn't belong to you. God is like, you didn't come against Moses. You came against me because I told Moses to do that. See, you may not see. That's what I'm talking about. You have to be passionate about what God is doing in you. 
Now what God is doing, that's why you can't have expectations when your expectations are not met about other people. That should not hinder your process because you should still be passionate about your God. Don't, be, don't start speaking things out of your mouth that you know nothing about. Like, well, they do that. And I'm not talking about not taking things to God that you don't understand. Because Korah had the, oppor- you know, he had the opportunity to repent, but he's like, no, that's you. You take too much upon you. That's you doing it. You want that. You desire that. You care for that. And God is like, no. See, that's what you have to understand. When we start putting things in us that God did not ordain us for us to have in ourselves, and I'm talking about an abundance, you can start seeing that we're coming against God's authority, not against the man. You may stop coming to church. You may stop it, but you still, what did you do? You didn't come against them. You came against the first instruction God gave you. The first instruction God gave us as a church was the commission, the empowerment, the, the, the direction of the church. And you're not being discipled. You came against the discipleship process in your life and in the life of other people. Passion, people. Passion puts us in a place of worship. And I am running out of time, but we're going to get to a place that I wanted to. Luke chapter 10. I love Mary and Martha. And we've dealt with Mary and Martha quite a, quite a few times. Let's look at this. Let's look at these places that these, these two come from. And these are lifestyles. I want you to understand. Worship is a lifestyle that God wants you to bring, bring you to. It's not a one-time thing. He wants to, and when you're not in a place of worship, He brings forth correction to you so that you can get to a place of worship. Because remember, the note from my pastor was, when you're dealing with disappointments, it says the key is submission to authority. And submission to authority is always going to bring you to a place of worship where you're pleasing to Him. Pleasing to Him. One moment. That is some refreshing water. Y'all may just think I just said that, but that's some refreshing water. Some good water. Now, I will tell you this much. As we come to this part, Luke chapter 10, let me get there. 38. Let's look at Mary and Martha's lifestyle. Let's look at the lifestyle worshipers. And I want you to find also John chapter 12. But let's look at Luke. Chapter 10 verse 38. It says, And it came to pass as they went, that he entered into a certain, large, a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does that not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. I like that. Stop there. One thing is needful. And Mary had chosen the better place. He talked about that which is needful. And he talked about a better place. He said, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen the good part, sorry. Which shall not be taken away from her. That good part. And it shall not be taken away from her. See, I want you to go to John chapter 12. Let's read these before I go on. 
John chapter 12. So we find Martha serving, correct? It doesn't mean that Martha wasn't doing a lot of work. She was serving the Master. She was trying to get things in order, do things for the Master at her best ability. She was doing what she thought was right to do. So John chapter 12. And let's start at verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. It's interesting. Martha's still serving. Even after a correction of what is in a better place, of what is a good place, and what is needful. Martha has a lifestyle of serving. So it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, and had, uh, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made a, him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary, here's Mary's lifestyle, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? Then he said, Then he said, Not that he cared, this he said, Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag and bear that which was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. She has kept this. For the day of his bearing. For the poor always you have with you. But you have not always me. Look at where Mary was positioned. By sitting at the feet of Jesus. She came to a place where she was able to offer the sacrifice. That is proper. Acceptable and right. Just because she lived. But Martha was still caught up serving. See a lot of times you may think. That busy serving is going to get you through your disappointment. And busy serving is not. That's why you can sit there and you can get frustrated. So, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. But you are not worshiping. It's not going to get you through your disappointment. It's not. You have to be at a place of worship. And God is like, He gave her counsel. He said, Martha, Martha, you're so cumbered about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary, she has chosen the good part. And it shall not be taken away from her. See, God is looking for you to get to that place of worship. But you see, and it's about a passion that you have to get back. See, the only way you're going to get to a place where you're like, authority will tell you some hard stuff. It will tell you some difficult stuff about you, about who you are. And the only way you can overcome sometimes is because of your passion for Jesus. I have been corrected multiple times. And at times in front of people. And at times in manners that were hard. And at times that manners that I did not understand. And at times that manners that ticked me off. And at times that manners that I wanted probably to say something. But I kept my mouth shut. And I listened and I continued to move forward. And because of those things, I am kept in a place by God where God can still minister to me. God can still, even now, as I prepare for, you know, the future with, because I, I take care of my elderly mother. Even now, God is, because there are certain things that I just can't get, I, I'm not supposed to even get distracted with that. But you know, to me, it's interesting. I'm like, Lord, I don't even want to love my mom more than you. And I love my mom a lot. 
I take care of my mom dearly and very carefully. And I'm like, Mom, Lord, I cannot give her more than I give you. You understand? More, be more careful with that than I am with your things. I have to be at the place where you want me to be. See, and we will get this, and I invite you back, because we're not going to have time to deal with it. But the book of Revelations chapter 3. I want you to go there and we're going to read it. See, and I'll give you a touch of because we're going to touch on this. And if you don't come to Wednesday, you should. Because we are going to deal with these how to repent. How to repent from not being under authority. But God wants to take you through your disappointments, people. He wants to take you through your disappointments. But you have to have the right passion for Jesus. You have to be passionate for the things of God. You have to go after God. Because that places you in authority. And authority, once you're there, He's like, this is a worshiper. They will worship me. They will go forward. They will be strengthened by me. Once again, everything that the praise team was talking about, that is your God. In the book of Revelations, chapter 3, and let's read this in the last few minutes that we have. I hope you're being blessed. Revelations, chapter 3. This is a very interesting church. The church of Laodicea. Verse 14. Chapter 3 of Revelations, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things saith the Amen. So be it. Remember what I told you about the names of God speak about who He is, His authority? He's like, I am the Amen. He's like, I put a period to everything. He said, I tell you when it's so. I am the Amen. I am the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, but thou art cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest thou not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye slave that thou mayest see. As many as I love, remember, he is your authority that corrects. I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. As I even want you to be passionate about your repentance. Book of Laodicea, and I'll just give you a little point. Laodicea was a it's a wealthy region. Very wealthy region. And I say that they were destroyed. This is, in, and, and you're going to see some. They were destroyed. The city itself, the place, the region was destroyed in, in uh, AD 62 AD by an earthquake. But it was rebuilt by the citizens themselves because they were that wealthy and needed no help from no one else. They rebuilt itself, and it was rich because of the wool in that area. W O O L. The wool that was in that area. They were rich people. They became self-reliant, self-sufficient. See, and see, that's what you've got to understand. These people, they thought, self-sufficient, I want you to write it down if it's not up there. But self-sufficient is having an extreme confidence in one's own ability and worth. Having an extreme confidence in one's ability and worth. Haughty and overbearing. It means able to maintain oneself or itself without outside aid. Got it up there? Capable of providing for one's own needs. In the last three minutes, these people thought, I don't need God. 
But, but the thing is, I like what he says. He says, I know thy works. He didn't say, I, saw, I see your works. He said, I know thy works. He first addresses their works. He says, I know them. And then he expresses, he, he deals with the person itself. He said, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. This word hot here, and, I, and I'm not going to go by the notes, but you'll see the notes up there. Hot refers to an extreme heat, boiling, fervent. So he's saying the cold should probably be icy cold. He said, you're neither extremely hot, neither are you icy cold. He said, you're lukewarm. He said, you're not either. He's saying, you have no passion. You have no passion for the things of God. He said, you're lukewarm. You're not refreshing no one. Do you understand why I talked to the drink? I said, this is refreshing drink. Very refreshing. I hope y'all get some to drink afterwards because it's very refreshing. Would you drink it now? Would you drink it after I spit in it? See, that's what we give people when we have no passion for Jesus. We give them what we have, our, our backwash. No passion, nothing refreshing about this. Nothing refreshing to people. And that's a place of worship when you're refreshing to people. Do you understand? That's refreshing to folks. Authority brings you to this place of refreshing where you're a worshiper. Not only does he refresh you, but he's refreshing other people. Do you understand? See, God is, that's why I'm telling you, God was just visiting us this morning, telling us who he is. See, he doesn't care. Oh, mountain, who are you? This is your God. I am your God. Who is this mountain? Who is this disappointment? It's nothing to me. But I need you at a place where you're worshiping me. That's authority. See, authority is not to bring you to a place to tell you what to do. It's to bring you to a place to make you refreshing. Even though you've had many disappointments. It's lovely to be refreshing. And then people look at you and say, But my God, you've dealt with a lot in your life. You've gone through a lot. You've lost a loved one. You lost a friend. You lost a spouse. You lost a parent. You know, relationship didn't go right with you. My God, people, have you noticed people that have gone through stuff and just their, just their ability to lift their hands? There's some people that go through stuff and all they're there is just sitting there looking and looking. And I'm like, worship God. It doesn't matter if you don't feel anything. Worship your God. He'll bring you out. I don't care how bad you feel. I don't care if you feel unforgiveness still. Worship your God. He'll bring you out. I don't care if you're still crying at night. Things going through your mind and you don't understand. Worship your God. He'll bring you out. And make you that which is refreshing to this to your life, refreshing to you and refreshing to your God. See, because God is like, because you're neither, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You're, you, I don't even, you're not even refreshing to me. How can you be refreshing to my people? Do you understand? Just that's, that's for all of us. That's for me, people. And I am out of time, but that is for me. Because God is like, I'm doing... Your disappointments, Ricky, is not my, it's not my purpose. 
Those are things that you may have caused or something just without that you didn't cause and just happened, but that doesn't change my grace that speaks to that mount. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.